Hello and welcome to the Reverend Hunter Podcast. This is Tony Jones. I'm the Reverend Hunter along with Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Doing well. Long time no see, literally, and long time uh, <laughs> since we've talked. Actually. The last time I saw you and probably the last time we talked, you came by my house to pick up some gear and we practiced significant social distancing. Yep. <laughs> it was it's 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 weird to think like in that moment like i didn't assume i mean i should have assumed but i didn't assume it would still be this long after for us to to be able to see each other it's been crazy it is weird i i did i did have to do some voiceover work at ron shara productions the um the nerve center of the talk north podcast network and i saw a few people in there i guess they're you know, they were wearing masks. I wore a mask, not when I did my voiceover. Um, but yeah, it was I'd say there were about maybe a quarter of the normal staff was working there. So they're they're kind of slowly coming back. Have you been is have you been still doing everything remote? I have been doing everything remote. Um we are in talks to eventually getting back into a studio if we can arrange it properly. And have all the precautions set up. And even with another show, we're talking about maybe doing live shows within the next month outdoors, of course. So come on, slowly but surely progressing. So that's nice. If we did a Reverend Hunter live podcast, how many people do you think would show up? Wait, don't answer that. You, you know, <laughs> it, it, numbers don't matter. It's, it's the quality of people that show up, not the quality. Well, you're such a you're such a a brilliant sound guy. I'm sure that you would make it sound like there were thousands of people cheering and applauding every time i said something funny add a little sugar to it as they say in the business <laughs> is that what they say i don't know i heard a comedian say it once so i'm sticking with it i like it i like it yeah you could add a little sugar to it i appreciate that um so what have you been doing man to get uh to get outside to get fresh air I have been, uh, me and the girlfriend have been just going on hiking trails and stuff like that. Just getting outdoors where we know we're not going to run into a bunch of people, but we can actually feel like we accomplished something with our day. You know, see nature, hear nature, uh, smell nature. <laughs> just, just, Te- yeah, totally. Um, tell so- me about one of those, tell me about one of those hikes you two went on. Well, so we, we went on one, um, uh, it was actually in, uh, Southern, Southern Minnesota. Um, and, uh, it was Whitewater State Park, I believe it's called. Mm, and yeah. um, it's just got these really cool cliffs um, that you can kind of walk along. Some really, really great views. Some trails that, you know, have some elevation, but my dog can handle it. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just Whitewater. You know, a bunch of people were uh, fly fishing down there and stuff like that. So that was really cool to see. But yeah, it was just nice to be outside. And again, like I said, just be in nature. It's <laughs> it's it's amazing what being in a basement can do to you after three months. That you oh, is that do. where you work at your house is in the basement? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I'm set up. The since my girlfriend works uh, overnight shifts, I I usually try to tuck away and not make so much noise for it. To sleep. Right. You're 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 very considerate boyfriend. Well, well, I try, and she's she's got a pretty important job, so I think uh, right is a little bit more important than my podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Well, I I went. Um, I I've been trying to get outside too. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say uh, before we talked before the show, you mentioned uh, you did actually go to the Boundary Waters, and uh, how was that? How was that? That was with your son. Uh, I went with I went with my son. I went with Bob Timmons, uh, who is the editor of the Outdoor Weekend section at the Star Tribune, and Bob's son Nick. You know, last summer. Um, 
Aiden and I, with some other guys, including Bob, we went and did a significant portion of what's called the Voyager's Highway, which is the the trail of lakes and portages that the Voyagers used to head into the wilderness in the fall to trap uh, and trade for pelts and stuff. And then that's the way they came out in the spring so that they could get all the the hides of the animals they had trapped uh, over to Europe. They came out and they arrived at a place that's now called Grand Portage on Lake Superior. It's part of uh, an Ojibwe uh, Indian reservation right now. Um, but the Grand Portage was something we didn't do because at the very... Okay, so if you're coming out of the Boundary Waters toward Lake Superior, you have to come off of the river, the Pigeon River, because like the highest waterfall in Minnesota is on the river. And so you have to portage out and that portage is nine miles. That's, and that's insane, dude. dude. <laughs> that's a, I, I can't even tell you. I can barely do nine miles in the city on flat ground. Just, just <laughs> relaxing. With Let me feet. load a 69 pound canoe on your shoulders for those nine miles, dude. It, I mean, really, it was. Um, I wanted to do it. My son wanted to do it. it. It was a way for us to kind of complete the the Voyagers Highway. You know, it's a, it's kind of a storied thing to do it to take the Grand Portage. Um, legend has it that if a Voyager once a Voyager completed the Grand Portage, they could paint the shaft of their canoe paddle gold. So Aiden and I did that after we had after we got home, we painted a little strip of gold on each of our canoe paddles to signify that. It, it was it was a it was an incredible achievement and I was I mean a, a few things occurred to me. One thing that occurred to me was there were no 52-year-old voyageurs. Those dudes <laughs> like they all died in their 30s, you know what I'm saying? because of those long routes yeah i mean there was and and they i was you know i'm carrying we're taking shifts i'm either carrying the 69 pound canoe the 40 pound canoe we had one pack that was about 50 pounds we have two packs that were about 50 pounds and one of them you also had to carry about 20 pounds worth of kitchen gear on your front so we'd rotate through these four different uh, loads basically, and we stopped every half mile. We were making about two miles an hour for maybe the over the first half. We were able to maintain a pace of two miles an hour, but our pace slowed so that we got to the point where we were stopping every fifteen minutes, regardless of how far we'd gone. Then we started. Then we were stopping every ten minutes. I mean, it was really it was brutal. But these voyageurs, man. 90 pounds they've carried three 30 pound packs uh on on their backs and they had this thing called a tump cord which was a it was like a leather strap that went around the one of the packs and a, around their foreheads so you you know uh, this was pre-photography but there there are paintings of these guys they leaned forward and put all their weight in this 
in this leather strap over their foreheads. I mean, it's just crazy when you think about it, how strong their necks must have been. <laughs> just going to say the size of their shoulders and necks must have been. Mad. Oh, my gosh. Just like you could, they could have yeah. probably like pulled farm equipment in the fields. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, remember when we were kids and they would like, they'd be the world's strongest man and he'd like pull a semi truck with his teeth on, on like wide world of sports. <laughs> Those guys would have been fantastic at the world. Of wide world of sports. <laughs> yeah, airplanes, anything. Oh, and the other thing that occurred to me was, well, I mean, I just thought as I was doing this, cause you, it's just, it's, it's really, um, it's a physical challenge, of course, but it's also a mental challenge to keep moving forward and not quit. I mean, I don't know what we would have done if we would have quit. It's not really an option when you're on a nine-mile portage, but I thought, like, what have I ever done that's this hard? And the only thing I was cataloging my life, you know, the the hardest physical things I've ever done, there was one time when I was around 30 and I was a youth pastor that I... um. I summited three 14,000-foot peaks in a day with a group of high school seniors. And I remember that day, similarly, like we started at 4 a.m. We probably ended at around 4 p.m. And it was it, it was an insanely hard ch- physical challenge. So it was like up there with that. It was, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm glad I did it. I would tell people if, if the Boundary Waters is your thing, you might want to try the Grand Portage. I would say maybe don't wait till you're in your fifties to, to do it. <laughs> maybe maybe hit it when you're in your peak physical. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe maybe. <laughs> so yeah, that's um, that was super fun. We caught a bunch of smallmouth bass and had a great time in the Boundary Waters for the three days prior to the Grand Portage. Uh, the border with Canada is still closed and will be through at least July 21st. So people who want to go into the Quetico aren't going to be able to. But the Boundary Waters are open. The Grand Portage, they've reopened the, that trail. So, yeah, I, I hope people take advantage of that, especially if, you know, work is slow with whatever people do or stuff like that. Um, yeah, it was incredible. I'm I'm super glad I did it. And I started yesterday... I I umpired baseball for the first time since 2001. See, you can't tell me that's not any less challenging than the nine-mile portage with <laughs> everything else. I will say yesterday, it was hot. I mean, it was hot for sure. And we were on a fake, like a fake AstroTurf field, so it was extra hot. But um, yeah, I I umpired for many, many years, started when I was 14. I used to ride my bike to girls softball games and umpire them and then worked my way up uh, through the ranks, high school and college till I was in the in the year 2001. I got my one and only division one game umpiring. It was a gopher Minnesota Golden Gopher game. And then I retired because my second kid had been born and I just couldn't be away from home that much. So now 19 years later, you know, I'm not quite an empty nester, but close. Um, And I just love the game of baseball. So this was going to be my year to come back as an umpire. And then COVID hit and that was scuttled, but they've just started playing baseball again. So yeah, I went out there and and on my first call, a manager charged onto the field to argue with me. 
<laughs> the manager did. Oh, yeah. And I was right. I got the call right. I know it. I mean, I'm 100% sure. What was this controversial call that? that well, I okay. So they, the, the, there was a, a guy stole from second to third. He stole third base. The catcher threw it down. The throw beat him. The, the third baseman put the tag down. I actually called him out, but then I saw the ball was loose underneath the runner. So the, the third baseman had dropped the ball, and he was kind of scrambling under the runner. I could see the ball on the dirt. So he dropped the ball, which meant that the runner was safe stealing third. So I changed my own call from out to safe. Uh, and man, that the manager came out of the he came like a rocket out of the dugout and started yelling at me. But <laughs> I, you know, I as 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 umpires are trained to do these days, I just kept my cool and I said I got the call right, you know, and I'm a hundred percent sure. And you need to go back to your dugout now. Well, why not jump in head first? <laughs> I will say that the second game of the doubleheader when I was behind the plate, my my strike call, my strike zone was a little inconsistent. So I'm going to need to work a little bit on tight, tight, tightening up my strike zone. That would be a lot of pressure for me. I could be a line ump or anything like that. But if you, if you have me behind the plate deciding the strike zone, I can barely see it from TV, let alone like have it coming at me at 90. Yeah, it is. Whatever. No, it's it's challenging for sure. Um, but I love it. I love it. It's like uh, for an Enneagram 8, for those listeners who know what an the Enneagram is, uh, it's you know for somebody who likes to be bossy and in charge, it's kind of umpiring baseball is a, <laughs> is a great thing to do. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, back. I mean, um, back to back to the topic of this podcast, which is hunting, etc. Um, we, you know, the this is a. I have I, I I failed to mention this earlier, but this is one of our fifth Monday episodes, so we have no guests. It's just you and me. Um, and one of the things through the course of these fifth Mondays is we wanted to talk about getting you out on your first hunt. So last time, our last fifth Monday, we talked about, you know, the different kind of firearms, like what you would feel most comfortable with. And I think we, I think, didn't we land on shotgun was the most, what you'd be the most, I mean, here's the tricky part. On the one hand, uh, a shotgun I think is a little less intimidating than a rifle um, because I don't know. It's not quite as dangerous. Um, bird hunting is fun. It's like you're hiking around. Like if you go pheasant hunting or grouse hunting, it's a lot like the hiking you do with your girlfriend. You know, you're outside, you're moving around, you're, you're with the dogs, etc. Um, it, the problem, the heart, the, the challenge is that it's a little harder to shoot a moving object like a grouse or a pheasant that's flying. Whereas if we got you like with a 22 and you went squirrel hunting or something like that, I mean, the squirrels move too, but you usually shoot them when they're stationary. So I don't know if you've thought about this in the last couple of months since we had our last fifth Monday, but like you still you still into this idea you got any thoughts about it uh, i know you you've been you 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 actually engineer a couple other outdoorsy podcasts so i'm sure they're talking about hunting on occasion 
Oh yeah, yeah. Just just a little bit of hunting on those shows. Uh I have been thinking about it and I've actually taken a lot of information I've learned from these other shows and my personal preference on what I would uh, be comfortable with. And I think I think the twenty two with the rabbits, squirrels seems more up my alley for okay. a sort of a thing. You know, it's kind of literally like less of a bang, but you know, just it, it'd be easier for me to just because I already see a lot of the rabbits and squirrel around us. Have you ever eaten squirrel? I have not eaten squirrel, but I have eaten rabbit. So okay, okay. So you're not averse to eating squirrel. If you shot a squirrel, you you wouldn't you you'd be cool with eating it. No, yeah, I'd be totally cool with eating it. I, okay. I'll I'll eat anything. I'll try anything once. Well, the nice thing about squirrel squirrel season opens pretty early, and uh, there are a ton of squirrels up at our property in central minnesota and we have a nice little 22 caliber rifle that has really no kick to it at all and so i think that's the plan then in the fall you and i will um we'll head up there maybe even record one of our podcasts you and me and and get your firsthand experience of going out squirrel hunting and i bet pretty sure pretty sure i can't you know, there's never guarantees, but we got a lot of squirrels up at our land. So while there are no guarantees, I'm pretty sure you're going to shoot one. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on my shot. I have got a paintball gun several times, and I'm fairly accurate with that. But yeah, no, I, I think I think I, I think I'd be pretty confident in myself uh, on on getting a squirrel. Um, and 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 if I can't, I guess that's kind of a sign of where my, my, my hunting career will head. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, the other thing is right around the same time squirrel hunting is open, uh, grouse hunting is open. It's the same license. So we could also go hiking around on our land and whether you want to carry a gun or not, um, at least you could walk around on a grouse hunt, which, uh, you know, what people call a grouse hunt, it's a walk in the woods with a gun because <laughs> Grouse are uh, tough. They're tough to find and they're tough to shoot. But we can give it a try too. Okay, that's cool. Well, listeners, stay tuned. <laughs> in the in the saga that is my first journey into hunting. Stay tuned for Brandon's first squirrel hunt. That should be fun. Maybe we can get uh, some cameras along and Minnesota Bound can do a story or something on it. There you go. Mike mike (laughs) me up so you can hear the quiver in my voice. (laughs) (laughs) Poor little squirrel. (laughs) Yeah, that's I I can I can handle the squirrel. It's the deer on the other hand. That's that's where I think I'm pretty far removed from. Yeah, uh, I I have as I've said here before, I, I have very vivid memories of the first time I shot a deer. Um, and it is, yeah, it's when you shoot a large animal like that, it is, it, it's, it's at a different level of kind of emotional investment for sure. I still don't understand these guys on, um, TV hunting shows who are like hooping and hollering and high-fiving after they, after they shoot a large animal like that. I mean, when I shoot a large animal, I, I find it to be a very emotional experience and not, you know, not super easy. Um, but anyway, that's, yeah, no, I've, I've thought the same thing. That's part of the reason why I've, I've, I've stayed aback from it is, you know, yeah, yeah. but, but, you know, Hey, it's, it's a future thing that we have planned. I'm going to commit to it and stick to it. But, uh, let's, who, who are, who are the other future guests that we have coming up on the show besides? You yeah. Know? That, yeah. That's a good question. We've, um, 
we've got a few interviews lined up for the coming couple months that I think people will really, really like. Um, Father Ted Vitale is is uh, one of our. He's going to be one of our uh, July interviews. Father Ted is a passionist priest who teaches in the philosophy department at St. Louis University. He's also an avid hunter, and he happens to be the ethicist at Boone and Crockett. Now, Boone and Crockett is one of the oldest sporting organizations in the world. They actually trademarked the phrase, fair chase. So this idea, as uh, this ethical idea in hunting, that the ant that that you have to always engage in fair chase practices comes from Boone and Crockett, and he's their ethicist. So, and he has got great hunting stories. Um, very experienced hunter, and it'll just be fun having a, a Catholic priest on and talking about you know his theology. Um, I'm also going to interview a woman named Murphy Robinson who lives in Vermont and is um is a Wiccan huntress. So she is uh practices Wicca, Wiccan, Wiccanism. I better figure that out before the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And of wow. an earth religion. Um, you know, not really witchcraft exactly, but an earth religion. And leads people she was a vegetarian for a long time and then she, now she leads people on hunts and it's very incredible she leads primarily hunts for queer people to introduce them to deer hunting i think she does some other um uh, bird hunting as well so that will be an absolutely fascinating interview um i'm going to be talking to my friend barbara brown taylor who is one of the greatest preachers i mean it, it makes every list of top 10 preachers in the world um, and was one of Time's 100 most influential people a couple of years back and writes incredible books and loves the outdoors, lives on a farm in Georgia, and every summer comes to northern Minnesota and goes up the Gunflint Trail. Her husband is Minnesotan and part Native American. So um, I'm really looking forward to talking to her about that. And then we've got some other um, interviews that we did pre-COVID. Uh, uh, Dennis Anderson from the Star Tribune and Rob Dreesline from the Outdoor News. So we've got some that you and I already have in the can uh, that we'll also be dropping as time goes on. And I've got a whole list of, of uh, guests who've said yes. And, you know, we only do two a month. So... It's going to take me a while to get through get through them all. But yeah, people can continue to listen the first and third Mondays of the month. And whenever a fifth Monday rolls around, we'll do one of these with just you and me. Um, and I'll continue to... I, I'll tell you what, listeners have sent in, like the Father Ted Vitale was a, a listener recommendation. So that, that was... Uh, I really appreciated that. That's really, uh, really cool. Yeah, super cool. And I've gone on a couple other podcasts lately that people can look up if they want to. One is called The Wild Huntsman, and uh, people should check that out. And I've got a couple other podcasts coming up that I'm going to be on as well. So 
yeah, what goes around comes around. And we would, of course, love people to subscribe to the Reverend Hunter podcast and to give us a rating and to give us a review and to share it on the social medias and tell all your friends if you like um, if you like what you hear, you know, spread the word and let other people know so that we can continue to build our audience. Yeah. And uh, I, I got to be honest with you, I'm excited about a couple of these uh, upcoming ones uh, that you have, um, especially with the with the, the Wiccan. Uh, yeah. Would you describe her Huntress or Huntress? She Huntress. refers to herself as a Huntress. Yeah. It sounds like she could have her own show <laughs> like of her own. That's I know like a premise for for some sort of TV show. It's a I think she does have a podcast that. OK. I don't know that she does that that she's super regular at it, but um, yeah, she does seem like. I mean, for sure, if I, you know, uh, I, if if somebody's ever silly enough to give me a TV show, uh, one of the episodes will be with her for sure. That's great. That's awesome. For and, sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's 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 been a lot of fun doing these, and I, I look forward to keeping uh keeping these going. And uh, it, it's it's just been cool for me just to to take a moment to hear all these different viewpoints. I'm not I'm not a religious person myself, uh, but it's really cool for me to to hear all these different religions and experiences. And the one thing that brings people together is nature. And for me, that's something that's pretty simple, and I can understand it. So it's it's been it's been a lot of fun. It's been a good education for me. That's awesome, man. Well, that's what I hope. I hope that we can continue to, you know, have guests on here across the spectrum. That this is a non-sectarian um, a conversation, a ongoing conversation about spirituality in the outdoors. Really, broadly speaking, that's and anybody who's interested in that, I'm interested in talking to them. So uh, that's that's my deal, and I'm glad you like it, and I'm super glad you're along for the ride. It's been great. It's been awesome, Tony. So thanks. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We really appreciate the support. And we will talk to you next week with our next episode of the Reverend Hunter podcast. Until then, everybody, stay safe, wear a mask. Don't be dumb. Don't don't be don't be too cool to wear a mask. Wear a mask. Unless you're listening unless you're listening to this like 5 years down the road and we have a COVID vaccine, then you don't need to wear a mask. But you know, now wear a mask. Just wear a mask. It's not that big of a deal. It's pretty sound advice, Tony. All right. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Talk to you next week.